Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That indeed it is. And tonight we talk about ghosts that came back with a warning of danger. We'll hear the tale of a sightseeing trip in Japan that gives these guys a sight to remember. We also share a story of a listener that had a not-so-relaxing vacation in London and also discuss a story of premonitions of a haunted house of death. And we get a audio update from Richard in Chattanooga. All right. So all that and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm Tony Bruski, Jenny Bruski joining me as always. Thank you guys for joining us. If you're not an EPP yet, please consider becoming one. That's what helps keep this show alive and on the air. You go and become one on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month. You get a bonus episode every single week sent directly to you as a thank you and the satisfaction knowing you are keeping this show above the ground. That's nice. You like that? I do. Okay. You like our new little intro there? I love it. Yeah. I thought it'd be fun. I thought maybe we could uh, add a little more, a little more spark to the intro. And uh, anything we can do to be that much creepier is always good. <laughs> so there we go. Our next episode, we're actually going to be speaking, talking in reverse the entire episode, and you'll have to try and decipher it. So, <laughs> and then the episode after that, it'll be Latin and also in reverse. So it's just going to get really, really bizarre and creepy for the month of October. Sounds good. All right. I hope so. So make sure you. Uh, brush up on your Latin before to uh, before not tomorrow night, but the following night's episode. And I'm just kidding. So we're not going to have a Latin episode. It'll be interesting, though. It's not really a language they teach in schools anymore, now, is it? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. But I'm not positive on that. <laughs> Probably not many schools, anyway. Yeah. What, what would the? Uh, are there any countries that still keep that as like the common language? Is that the? It's got to be few and far between. I don't know. I know it's very helpful in like the medical field. There's a lot of medical terms that sure. come from Latin. Okay. Someone's going to fill me in on that one. I know somewhere. So uh, let's go to a uh, little bit of follow up here that we got from some folks before we get into these stories and that follow up from Richard in Chattanooga. We'll uh, get the latest on him. And of course, as you know, if you've been following the show for quite some time, he's a gentleman who's had quite a few uh, unexplained occurrences going on. Very dark situation going on with him. Uh, he thinks he's uh, I would say probably turned a corner, would you say? At least in, in identifying some things. Yeah, in, a, in identifying some things, yes. So, we'll uh, we'll get to that here in just a few minutes at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Denver Jim writes, in response to uh, Morgan's question, yes, a ghost can be in more than one place at one time. We talked about that the other day. Okay. But I believe this is beyond the abilities of most entities, human or otherwise. This goes back to my last comment on the entity projecting thought forms to either physical reality or another location. This is based on books I read way back in the 70s. No, I didn't smoke pot or do drugs back then. It seems that there is no single ending of yourself, whether you're alive in physical terms or not. We supposedly have aspect selves occupying different dimensional realities simultaneously, not just uh, thought forms that we send out. And again, 
You don't have to accept anything I tell you. I'm just attempting to answer your question based on my studies of such things. Sure, that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, some questions are much easier asked than answered. I agree. I agree. I'm glad he weighed in on that. I'm glad he did, too. I didn't understand anything he said, but <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm glad he weighed in. I mean, I kind of get it. I suppose if I sat here and, like, dissected everything he just said, I oh, okay, it makes sense of it, but... Denver Jim sounds like a very smart individual and uh, is, is thinking uh, about four steps ahead of me. Um, did it make sense to you? The short answer is yes. Okay. And the short answer to his question, <laughs> Morgan's question, okay. yes. Yes. So okay. Okay. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Very good. Uh, Maria writes in, I like when Jenny is there because she can be the more serious one and that opens it up for Tony's corny jokes, which I think are funny. When she's not there, then he has to be the sensitive, serious one, which doesn't fit him as well, probably because he's holding back his jokes. Okay. They like you there better. It's a keen observation. I like you there better too. I like being here better too. Yeah, I, I try to, I'm, I'm not like trying to like not be funny when you're not here. I just, you know, <laughs> I just have no one to say bizarre things to other There's, than myself. So I just think we balance each other. Yeah, I think the show is much better with you in here. So Well, thank you. So stay in here, okay? I will. That's, uh, that's the new rule. Okay. Uh, otherwise, uh, bad things will happen. Okay. Bad things will happen. <laughs> It's creepier when you say it like that. Bad things will happen. It would be very creepy if our if our two year old just whispered that to us. I got her saying Zool pretty well from Ghostbusters. So I like that. And, and uh, in fact, where's my phone here? I'm going to play this audio for our listeners so they can hear it quickly. Everyone remembers the uh, the Ghostbusters line uh, from uh, from Ghostbusters where Dana Barrett's in the apartment and she's possessed by the spirit Zool. Uh, well, I've, uh, and she goes, no, Dana, only Zool. Well, I've, uh, I've trained our two-year-old to say it, and her name is Harper, so here's, here's Harper doing that very line. Oh, Harper, only Zool. <laughs> Isn't that adorable? <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Oh, Oh, no, sure. <laughs> so when when she walks to the store and says that to the unassuming clerk, they look at us with horrific uh, with horror in their eyes and we're ready to call child protective services. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves it. She loves Halloween. I really feel for whoever ends up being her kindergarten teacher. <laughs> it's going to be a great, great time. I can't wait to get those calls. Uh, yeah, all the calls to the Brewski household will be sent directly to your cell phone. That's fine with me. Uh, let's go to a uh, caller. Our phone number 855-853-4802 is our phone number, as you probably already knew. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name is Brianna. I watch, not watch, but I listen to your show every day. And I just recently started working at a private school as an assistant teacher. And we are in the process of moving rooms. And the other day, I was walking to the new room that they just built for us. And I noticed that there was a very, very old tombstone just sitting in the middle of the school ground. And I asked the teacher that I work with, I asked her, I said, what? is that is that a halloween decoration is that real and she goes oh no that's the man i looked at her and i said what man and so she took me out to see it and it's from the 1800s apparently this man 
used to live on the school grounds before it was ever thought of being a school. And they buried him. And we could not get the right to move his body. So we had to build the school around him. And it's not necessarily a ghost story, but I just thought that it was really weird and very odd that in the middle of the school, there is an old tombstone that is from the 1800s. And apparently he is just chilling under the ground in a box underneath our school. So I just thought that that was very odd. And I took some pictures and I was going to send them to you if you want. So thank you and just let me know if you would like for those to be sent. And thank you so much for your show. It definitely keeps me excited and ready to listen to your next broadcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for sharing that story. Yes, we would love to see those pictures. Please send them in. Anything that's creepy with tombstones <laughs> is always a winner with me. What a bizarre thing. What's, did she say what state they're in? No, she didn't. That would be very interesting. Share the... Uh, Please email those to me, uh, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. My God. Uh, <laughs> those kids are going to have some great memories, though. They're going to be like, you're not going to believe this. There was a gravestone in the middle of our school. And they're going to tell these to, to people all over the country as they grow up and move around. And nobody's going to believe them. And then they're going to have to like go find a picture and reference this somewhere. To go and say, no, look, this is real. This actually happened. Or they're not going to quite believe it themselves. They're going to be like, yeah, I think there was a gravestone in our school, but that just sounds insane. I don't think that's true. Oh, no. Very true. That's just crazy. <laughs> yes, that is very crazy. But uh, awesome at the same time. So thank you for sharing that with us. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a letter. It says, hey there, Jenny and Tony. Really enjoy your show. I've had many experiences to share. So I'll start here at the beginning. My family moved into our house in 1958 when I was just 11 months old. I have two sisters, one brother. I am the youngest. We've all had experiences in the house. My dad never believed in the paranormal, so he never spoke about it when we were young. But my dad passed when I was 10 years old, and as years went on, we all began to admit to things and compare stories. Even my mother had a couple things happen. The first thing that I know of happened to my sister and I when I was maybe three or four years old. I don't remember this, but it involved me, so I'll include it. As I said, I was very young and was sleeping in my sister's room upstairs in our house. My sister was six years older than me, so she was about nine or ten. Had long hair, which was in two braids. My sister woke up and saw a woman reaching for my hair. Of course, bringing our mom, dad, and other sister running naturally. When the lights came on, there was nothing there. My dad was furious, thinking it was just my sister being hysterical. They explained it away as a shadow, but my sister still swears there were no shadows that night. She also says, thinking back, that it wasn't like the woman was trying to hurt me, only like a mother touches her own child's hair. At the time, though, in, a da in the dark, it was just someone who shouldn't have been there. This was the first thing I know from our house. There are many, many more, and I wanted to send them in order instead of just jumping around. I'll tell you now, the entity in our house was never hurtful or mean. 
Although we didn't always understand why things happened, it wasn't a scary thing to most of us. My sister doesn't agree and won't stay at the house anymore. My mom lived in the house until she passed this spring. My brother lives there now. There have been the usual things like lights being on and off, a dryer door slamming closed when no one is in the laundry room, but many other more involved things have happened over the years, so I'll send another letter in soon. Thanks for giving us a forum for sharing our stories. I don't know what the ghost wants with the hair. That's like the second story we've heard recently with them touching hair. You gotta think it's a fairly easy thing to manipulate. If you're a ghost and you're not able to necessarily pick up heavy objects, hair is like a feather. You know, it's one of the easiest, lightest things to do. Probably takes the least amount of energy, so it makes the most sense. This is why I shave my head, because I don't want ghosts touching my hair. And that's the story I'm sticking to. Not male pattern baldness. Oh no, I don't want ghosts touching my hair. Then they're going to be messing with your chest all day long. <laughs> that's the thing. I do feel very haunted in my chest area. Okay. And sometimes, unless I get the man groomer out, uh-uh. my I, back. Okay. I was afraid where you were going with that. Okay. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number. And by the way, if you'd like more of this every single week, if you'd like a bonus episode where we can uh, talk more about chest hair and hauntings, you can become an EPP. You just sign up through our website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Your support does go to uh, help keep this show on the air and, and us going here and all of our hard costs for doing the show, because believe it or not, it's not free. Um, so uh, please do consider being an EPP if you're not one yet and keep the show going uh, five bucks a month, like I said, realghoststoriesonline.com, and you get a bonus episode every single week. It's better than a piece of candy corn, or as Harper says, ka-e-caw. Okay. There you go. Virginia writes in, hi, I love your show. Ever since I was little, I could see ghosts. My sister started seeing ghosts about 10 years ago when we lived together. About four years ago, our mother went back to Germany to see her uncle. She was over there for just over a week, and I was lying in bed watching TV when I heard my great-uncle, who died before I was born, telling me my mother must come home now. I heard the voice three times before turning to my husband and him saying, Mom needs you to come home now. When I said that, my great-uncle vanished, but my great-grandmother was standing at the edge of my bed looking at me. My husband said, Let your mother enjoy seeing her uncle. I was edgy, but I didn't say anything else. About 30 minutes later, someone banged on our bedroom door and I heard my great uncle yelling, she needs to come home. I looked at my husband who jumped up and opened the door and no one was there. I said to my husband, mom needs to come home now. I don't know why, but I have my great uncle here yelling at me as well as my great grandmother. Just as I said this, my teenage daughter told us someone keeps banging at her door. She was freaking out. I told my daughter who it was banging at her door, and it's because I'm not listening to my great uncle. My daughter, who was used to this, told me to listen to him. I decided to call my sister and tell her what was going on. She told me she has our great uncle here telling her the same. We decided that should we should text our mother to come, which I did. My mother asked why, and I told her, I have your uncle and grandmother here. If you don't leave now, something will happen to you. My mother decided to get on the next available flight back to Australia. As she was waiting in the airport, she said that she felt her uncle and grandmother sitting beside her. It was so intense that she felt like she couldn't move or breathe. 
My great uncle and grandmother stayed with my mother until she landed back in Australia. My sister and I still at this time did not know why she had to come home. It was not until the day when our mother was supposed to fly back we found out why she had to come back. The plane she was supposed to fly back on was in a plane crash. My sister, mother, and I still have our family visiting us to this day. I I just think that's amazing. Would you respond to that as that family did if you had those sort of things happening? Would you urge whoever it was that they're telling you to have do some action, do the action? Yeah, because it doesn't sound like they were going to go away until something do was it. done. Yeah. And so, yeah. For one, I'd be afraid something was going to happen to my loved one that was traveling. Mm-hmm. And I'd want them to go back where they came from because sure. they don't need to be visiting anymore now that they're dead. Yeah. I think that one of the first things that would come to my mind would be plane crash. I mean, just that's where I would go, especially if someone's traveling. Uh-huh. But how do you warn an airline of such a thing? You probably don't. Well, see, I don't think they could because I think they... I got my dead uncle here. Yeah. They realized that there was something going to happen potentially to the mother. Yeah. But they didn't know what. So they couldn't even warn the airline. No. I mean, you, I mean if you, you could track it down and, say, and look at what flight she was supposed to originally be on. But then you call the airline and say, uh, yeah, my dead uncle and uh, great grandmother have been warning me uh, something's going to happen. Uh, you're going to be number one target uh, for <laughs> suspicion once the plane does crash. Yeah. As far as what the hell. And they're probably going to ignore you up until something actually happens. Well, I guess just hope all the dead loved ones of the people on that plane. Yeah. Say something. <laughs> Although I'm probably doubtful that that, yeah, that that happened. but you can hope, right? Yeah, I guess so. I just, I couldn't imagine. I wonder, do airlines get calls like that? I bet airlines get all kinds of calls. From really anxious people feel, I mean, there's probably, they probably don't really necessarily investigate every crazy call they get. Just because, I mean, it's one thing to make a threat, and that's not a threat. Saying that your grandmother is coming back to you and they feel something bad is going to happen. I'm saying calls like that versus someone making a threat to a, an airliner. I'm saying my grandmother saying the plane's going to crash. I wonder how often psychics how do they handle messages that? like that yeah. and they call. I wonder if there's like a protocol at like Delta or whatever, you know, when they, oh, when you get one of these calls, here's how you handle it. You know, is there a protocol for that at the call center? You know, I, I wonder. I couldn't even imagine. I just, I'm just honestly, I'm curious. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. We would love to hear your real ghost story. Of course, you can also write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to a caller and... Should we do uh, this one? Should we get the latest from Richard in Chattanooga? I think we should, yes. Okay, this is the latest update from our friend Richard in Chattanooga. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. Hey, everybody. This is uh, Richard from Chattanooga. I just want to start out by telling everybody thanks for all your um, opinions and uh, posts and everything. Very much appreciated. I told you guys that I would call in there for a while uh 
found out some stuff that kind of did a whole 360 as we was thinking that the house was haunted which it is for sure but like we thought it was here already and that's not what i think anymore um started with uh you know all this stuff would go on i'd take my kids to my mother's or my wife's mother's house my parents house and uh we would uh, leave them there overnight or stay there ourselves, mattering how bad it was that night at our residence. Um, well, my mom gives me a call, wanting me to uh, ask me if I would come over and help her move stuff in my old room, which she used it as like a storage. She started looking like a hoarder, believe it or not. It was just packed with a bunch of stuff, so I told her I wouldn't mind. So I go over there, and, uh, you know, she tells me what all she wants to be moved. And uh, I told her I could put a lot of this stuff in the attic for her. She was kind of hesitant. She's like, yeah, go ahead. Now, when I got in the attic, I didn't think I was going to see anything, you know. So I pulled down the door. It's one of those old kind that you have to flip the ladder down like three different ways has that old blow-in insulation, uh, real dark with one little chain light. So I, you know, go in there and take about five trips up and down taking this stuff. My mom said that she had to run some errands, so she goes ahead and leave, and I told her I'd continue doing this. She showed me everything that she wanted to be put up. So she puts it up, or she goes, and I start putting up stuff by like the fifth or sixth trip. I look in the back corner, I see this humongous, I'm talking about like three and a half feet wide by, I don't know, eight foot, six foot wide, uh, long. There's a big chest and it had like engraves in it. I can't say the word gargoyles, you know, like those statue looking things, gremlin looking thing. Uh, a whole bunch of different things, black crow. I mean, it was just, it was kind of unique looking. And the definition was really cool, but it had a lock on it. So I went back down, grabbed some stuff, came back up. My suspicious was getting to me, so I opened it up. I thought it was really cool, so I got a hammer and a screwdriver. Now the fourth time hitting it, the lock pops off. And this one is old-time locks as well. It has like a skeleton key. And when I found what was in this thing, I was just floorboard. I start looking in there, and I see bags with people's hair in it not like a whole bunch like cut hair uh tied with ribbon i see uh, black magic books summoning books books of haba catholic demonic books white light wicca books uh how to uh redeem someone's faith books um pictures of like 16 up to 24 women in black robes uh, with my mother in those pictures uh, and I started picking up some of these books and I was looking in it and when I was younger my mom was the type of person to be like you know free will if you had some friends drinking she would rather you drink at the house instead of out riding around that type of stuff um, not the type to like rat you out or whatever that's the term well I started looking at these books and uh, in the book of Haba and a lot of these demonic books, there is this Egyptian eye 
that's on like right before each paragraph and uh, I when I was 13 years old well not 13 I was wanting to get a tattoo but obviously I was too young so when I turned 16 my mom signed for me but she said that if, if I if she signed it would have to be the tattoo that she wanted and she promised me it wouldn't be like crappy but uh she found this eye with a sun and I thought it was kind of cool didn't know the meaning but my mom said you can get this one well I ended up getting it on the back of my calf well I started looking in there and I noticed this is in all these books and now I have this on my leg um pictures of me as a kid with this other kid and after I did research and talked to my dad behind my mom's back which I really didn't get much information from him and uh, I think they're on it. So I had to go to my sisters, which told me when I was a kid that they used to, I used to wake up screaming and they would put me in a bathtub. And while my dad was dump ice to snap me out of whatever it was I was in. Um, so my sister told me this, that was a kid named Chris. He was around when my mom, before my mom met my dad. And uh, it was a guy that he was with before. Well, I get his number and I call him and we meet on the, uh, I think it was like two and a half weeks ago, which made it the 21st, I believe, of September. We met downtown Chattanooga, was eating, and uh, he was wearing shorts and I looked down and noticed that he has the exact same Egyptian eye on the same leg that my mother let him get when he was a kid, same age as me. And I just thought that was crazy. And he said that... uh, my mom used to, you know, lock him down in the basement and uh, six like pentagrams, all that kind of stuff. So I really think the woman that I trusted, the woman that I took my kids to, and uh, when stuff is going bad here, I took my kids to where the problem was. And it really, really bothers me. But, uh... I try to figure it out. My mom, I haven't talked to her since. And I think that um, what she's done, I'm, I, I have to uh, reverse it, uh, do something. And now my wife, she's really not the same anymore. Um, she's, you know, real quick starting arguments. People that I want to call to try to bring in that I've done research, people that you guys have, you know, told me about. And she is just not for bringing anybody in this house anymore. So I think it's going to get to the point to where I am going to have to just get out of here and try to get my kids to a safe haven and 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 start over. Uh, about a week ago, uh, my daughter Zoe comes in and uh, comes screaming in my house. And now she's been over at my wife's mother's house for over a week now as the other kids uh she goes over uh she comes up to me about three fifteen in the morning wakes me up shaking and i just load them all up then and took them because she says that the covers which when i went in there the covers were pulled all the way to the wall and her bed's 15 feet away from that wall um she has the master bedroom because she's becoming older as a lady and has the bathroom in it so <laughs> Anyways, you know, it's about 15 feet, and she says that uh, whatever it was was in her face, and it screamed so bad that she felt the breath touch her face, 
and she just looked dead in it. She says that it didn't, it just had like a, how she put it, like a washy face, like um, it was running, and the eyes were so deep and dark in the breath that it scared her so bad that either I took her or she walked to Kristen's, you know, mom's house. So it's just to the point now that I really don't know what to do. Uh, I did a lot of research, and all it did was bring me right back to the start of things. It's really hard to uh, defeat these things, and it's really hard to, uh, you know, face it because of the uh, scared factor. But that's what I'm going to have to do because it's just one by one taking my family members off, but yet it doesn't touch me. It doesn't affect me. It just does to everybody else, and that's why I think I'm the problem. So I just want to say thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everybody's, you know, opinions. And uh, God bless. Bye. Thank you for the update, Richard. That's Richard in Chattanooga. If you've been listening to the show for any time, you've probably heard some of his story and uh, essentially the, the saga that's been going on with him uh, and his family and his world uh, and the, the recent past. And that's the latest update. We haven't heard from him in quite some time. Um, I'm going to be honest. I have no recommendations. I have no suggestions because I don't know what to do in a situation like that. Okay. Um, I, I, what I would say is I'm going to kind of, I mean, obviously I'm going to let the, the community open it up. Um and, and make their recommendations or suggestions if anyone feels qualified to do so um, up there on our forum section at realghoststoriesonline.com I know a lot of you guys have done that uh, in the past um, and uh, just kind of you know leave it up to, to him what he wants to do I don't know I mean it's obviously some sort of help needs to happen I don't know what that help is though I mean I think there's like he was saying something needs to be reversed so I agree how you do that, I don't know. I would think that's something to do with uh, something to do with uh, a demonologist, an exorcist, something with a church, a priest. I don't know, but something I would think along those lines. Um, I don't think necessarily getting you know paranormal groups to come in there and investigate the house or this or that is the answer because we already know there's something going on there. They're just going to go, "Yep, you got something going on." Thanks. Now we can add this to our file. Um, you know, I, I think he needs to find a solution here, not just diagnose a problem at, at this point. My suggestion? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, Richard, you said you hadn't talked to your mom since this happened. I think since your family's being so affected by all this, you need to get with your mom and figure out what she did, what yeah. she was into... And she might even have an idea if you get, uh, for lack of a better term, if you get in her face about it, she might even know a way to possibly undo it. I would think if she has any care or love for you and your family that she would want to help. Yeah. Uh, And I think if she doesn't, um, I think you'll know the answer right there that she doesn't care. (laughs) Yeah. If if that's what were to happen. But... um, you know, it, it may very well be something from her past that she's moved on from and doesn't realize the damage that's been being done. You know, 
At the very least, you need to find out what the true meaning yeah. is of the tattoo that's on you and yeah. on Chris. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I, I as a mother cannot understand a mother that would do something that would cause harm to my child or my child's family. Sure. And uh, I would just get mm-hmm. all up in her mess about that and find out what, yeah. what she did, what she was into. Sure. Even if she's left that behind, she's yeah. still hanging on to those things. So that's not a good sign. Sure. I mean, I, and I'm not to stick up for the mother by any means, but I, I wonder how much of, of what she was into, she was just unaware of what the consequences would be, are or were, you know? You know, I, I wonder that. I mean, I'm really aware, but it could also be a case of young and dumb, Well, too, and... and you know, as you know, we all have been young and dumb at one point in our life, and some of us go and do dumber things than others. Um, you know, I wonder if that could be part of it. I don't know, or I don't know if it's still active. You know, I don't know. I don't know about anybody else, but the young and dumb stuff I did when I was done, and I realized it was stupid, and I was done. I got rid of that stuff. Sure, this stuff's still in that woman's attic. Yeah. So she's hanging on to it for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, I would go down that road too and see what uh, what's going on there. So. Okay. All right. I'm. You done? I'm done. All right. I'll calm down. All right. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Nana, she writes in, first off, great show. The addition of your wife makes the show livelier. I just wanted to comment on the story with the woman and her ghost Pets. I agree. It is. Uh, it sounded very scripted, and it didn't feel as if it had happened to her, but that it had happened to someone else, or she made it up. And she did write in and say that she it was her that it did happen to. But she just she like, wrote it out because that's she felt more comfortable reading it. Okay. So that establishes that. Uh, it'd be nice if people kept their fake stories to themselves, okay? Because uh, it takes away from the purpose of your show. Okay. Uh, that being said, I do have a ghost story to share. While stationed in Okinawa, I was friends with two guys, a Wiccan named Isaac and another soldier we'll call Eddie, who would like to reenact old wars. That's a long story in itself. Now Isaac, Eddie, and I wanted to explore the tiny island for a night out for drinks. Isaac... And I did not want to be around the normal places soldiers hung out because there would usually be fights between Marines or younger soldiers or other silly immature stunts reserved for only Americans. So we decided we're going to try to get into Japanese-only bars. We ended up driving down the highway and getting a bit lost. Eddie had spotted a random mountain and had decided that he wanted to explore it in his car. Now, let me say this was around 11.30 p.m. at night, and we had not been successful in our endeavor in finding a nice bar. Without regard for either me or Isaac, Eddie drives up this mountain. The closer to the top we get, the entire car gets filled with this overwhelming sense of dread. Despite my protest to turn the car around and get back on the highway, Eddie decided to keep going because he really, really wanted to see was up there. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught a glimpse of a person standing silently just out of the edge of any light and watching our car. Just before the next turn, Isaac, who'd been riding in the front seat, yells for Eddie to stop the car. The car stops, and that feeling of dread that I had been getting since we started to climb now filled the entire car. I could hear my heartbeat in my ears, and I was getting what I can only describe as a message demanding that I leave. 
Look out my window. All I could see was tall yellow grass and a large stone marker. It was quickly that I realized that it wasn't a marker. It was a gravestone. Isaac, who is very sensitive to the spiritual, turned to Eddie very calmly and said, If we don't leave right now, we're never going to leave this mountain. Eddie quickly protested. It was our duty to explore every part of the island, but just as he was doing that, this large shadow came stalking towards us. I alerted my friends to what I was seeing, and they all turned to see it too. It was then that Eddie finally backed up the car, and we finally made our way down the mountain. As we made our way down, the feeling of dread began lifting, and at the same time, I couldn't help but feel like a message. Like someone or something was telling me, you're not Japanese, you don't belong here. When we finally got down, we stopped the car to catch our breath. We shared with each other what we'd seen, and apparently the large shadow entity had been communicating with Isaac the entire time we started our climb. It first started with, what are you doing here? And after I learned, I'm not sure how, but this is what Isaac said, that we were not Japanese, and of Eddie's intentions, the entity began getting more aggressive. Needless to say, Isaac and I never let Eddie drive again. I have some more stories if you want to hear them, but one thing I need to make clear, Japanese ghosts, as most ghosts in Asia, are a little more vengeful, especially if you're disrespectful. So just as a warning, if you ever find yourself in Japan, uh, part of the Ouija uh, away, (laughs) put the Ouija board away and stay away from the haunted places. It's not worth your life. So they came across a a graveyard, it sounds like, and... Something did not want them there. Yeah, very interesting. Yes. Thank you for writing in and sharing that story. If you have a real ghost story you can write in, you can call in. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. All sorts of ways for you to share your real ghost story with us. Here's another letter. Uh, It says, I grew up in a a science nut. I loved horror films for fun, but always thought that people who told ghost stories were just weirdos seeking attention. Then I had my own ghostly experiences. I was alone when I had the first one and never told anyone for fear of being ridiculed. Then something happened when I was with my mother and sister. That is a story I'll tell you now. We were invited to spend Christmas with my uncle in London. He had a colleague who had just arrived in the city but had left almost immediately on a job overseas. She agreed to lend us her flat. It was one of those big London houses where the ground floor and basement were inhabited by the owners and the top two floors by my uncle's friend. The first night, my mom went out while my sister and I watched TV. We kept hearing thumping upstairs, and we just thought it was just noisy neighbors. Until we remembered, there was no one above us. Going upstairs to bed, I said to my sister, what if it's a poltergeist? Right at that moment, there was three big thumps on the wall next to us. So it was probably just air in the water pipes. The next day, I went out shopping, and when I came back to my room, I noticed that everything had been moved slightly. Cushions on the chairs, pictures on the walls, drawers slightly pulled out. I thought for a moment I had been burglarized, but no. That night, I noticed that even my makeup jars were unscrewed, and I always screw jar lids on tight. I didn't worry about it much because nothing was missing, but when I turned out the light that night, I heard a whooshing sound. I turned the light back on and saw that the painting in front of me had been tilted to one side. I thought it might have been vibrations from the underground subway. I was looking for rational explanations. 
The next night, I went out with my mom and my sister to stay at home to watch TV. When we got back, we found her very pissed off, and she told us that she had spent the entire evening going up and down stairs because of weird noises and thumping. At first, she also thought it was a burglar, then just ended up getting mad and yelling out, Leave me alone! And whatever it was did. By this time, we were all talking about the ghost, but everybody suspected the other of making things up. We were all getting irritated and suspicious. That night, I went out with my sister and my mom went out with my uncle. Coming home in the taxi, my mom said laughingly to the driver, I hope the kids are back because they say the house is haunted. Ridiculous, of course. The taxi driver said ghosts do exist, but usually they go away if you ask them politely. If not, you have to recite the 13th Psalm, The Lord is My Shepherd. Uh, Please forgive me if I got the number wrong. I'm not a religious person. Uh, She said she couldn't remember it, and she actually... So he actually taught it to her so she could recite it while driving her home. When we got back, we opened the door and heard my mom saying in a trembling voice, Please go away and leave me alone. And she paused, and we heard, The Lord is my shepherd. This was so unlike my mom that we rushed upstairs. She told us that when she turned off her lights, she felt something sit down on the end of her bed and thought, how nice the cat has come up to sleep with me, and then realized she wasn't at home and that there was no cat. It was only when we came upstairs that the thing got off the bed. The last few days were filled with what I can only call practical jokes. Doors slammed, toasters kept throwing up the bread, weird noises of water running and thumping could be heard upstairs. Funny enough, we weren't that scared. It seemed as if the whole time there was a feeling of benevolence and fun. And I think we believed that we were psyching ourselves into exaggerating the events. On the last day, we were packing, and at the very moment we closed the last suitcase, the old clock that had refused to work suddenly began ticking. We were all together when that happened, and it completely spooked us. We waited for the taxi 20 minutes outside in the pouring rain. My uncle told us we were all being silly, but a few months later he came to visit us. He told us that his friend had finally come to take up residence in the flat, and she told him that she thought it was haunted. Her mother refused to stay there after a day's visit, and her kids said there was something turning the water on and off. Finally, she went to see the owners downstairs, an old couple, very British, and they just said, Well, dear, we were wondering if you would be coming to see us. Apparently, the man who had owned the house before loved it so much that he had never left it after dying and was continually playing tricks on people, but that there was no need to be afraid because he was very good-natured. The few other experiences I've had were of the same kind, things that would look terrifying in movies, but where you feel at the same time as if some little voice was reassuring you and telling you not to be afraid. I think it is that combination that makes me believe in the reality of the experience more than anything. It's not at all what I would have expected. Great show. Really down to earth. I'll tell the other stories, too, but I was alone, so make of them what you will. Keep up the good work. Also, can anyone recommend a really good ghost movie? I hate ghost movies full of special effects and lasers and ghouls. The only really good ghost movie I love is The Innocence with Deborah Kerr based on uh, Henry James, A Turn of the Screw. Okay, so, Juliet, if 
you like old creepy movies, um, a good ghost one. It's not a scary ghost story, but it's more of like a, a ghost love story. It's called The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Um, it's like from the late 40s, and I think Rex Harrison plays the ghost in it. It's a good show. Um, if you like a good creepy movie, it's not really a ghost movie. A uh, good one from the 60s has Betty Davis in it, and it's called Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. And that's a good one. It's a murder mystery. Those are black and white. So if you like black and white old movies, those are two I'd recommend. If you like a current, this is the only current ghost movie that I've seen in recent years that wasn't loaded with special effects uh, and was more psychological and based on a true story, go see The Conjuring. That was a good one. Yeah. Not crazy laser monster special effects. There's a couple points in there, but it's really few and far between. Um, and it's based on a true story. And having talked to the people who went through it, uh, the true story is actually creepier than the movie. Um, so, yeah, check that one out. There you go. You got the whole gamut there. So, And actually, we just started a, a thread on the forum about that the other day. So if you want some more suggestions on good creepy movies, uh, check that out. Uh, there's a whole listing of good creepy movies. And if you're into video games, I started one today about creepy video games, too. Oh, really? So people are just kind of leaving their list of stuff. And if you'd like to contribute yourself to that, uh, check that out uh, on our uh, message board or forum section at uh, realghoststoriesonline.com. Rebecca writes in, this is, a very, uh, this is very true, and there's no fabrication to the story at all. This is told to me by my brother, my own experience, my brother and other family members. My mother would have these dreams periodically of places, things, and events that would happen and they would come true. For instance, my family went on vacation and stopped at a restaurant along the way. We were in Canada and none of my family had ever been to Canada before. My mother whispered to my father that she had been at this particular restaurant before. My father told her there was no way she could have been here and started to finish his lunch. My mother insisted she had and then remembered her dream. Needless to say, it freaked my father out because she told him things about the restaurant she had no possible way of knowing. She described the men's restroom perfectly. My father went to the restroom because he didn't believe her. He believed her when he walked out. This was just one of my, uh, just one of many dreams she would have. My mother had a dream about this old house and the old house in one of the rooms was his old wardrobe with drawers. In her dream, she opened one of the drawers, and in the drawer were these old-fashioned paper dolls from the 50s and 60s. My father took a transfer with the company he worked for at the time, and we moved from California to North Carolina. One of my father's dreams was to build a house from scratch and live there. I remember when we moved to North Carolina, taking car drives with my parents and my two brothers looking for property. One evening, my father told my family to get into the car because he wanted to introduce us to this old man and his family. So we took a drive and went to a house on top of a hill. I remember being a brand new house. We met this old farm couple with their teenage daughter. They were very nice. My dad bought property from the old man to build his house. The old man suggested we move into his old house since it was vacant and it was located at the bottom of the hill. The property we bought was right across the road from the old house. I remember all of us walking to the house down the hill to check it out. We walked into the house and it was very old and extremely cold. According to the old man, the house was a few hundred years old. 
I remember walking into the house and feeling sort of uneasy. A sick feeling came over me almost immediately. It's hard to explain exactly how I felt, but it was almost like a feeling in your throat. I didn't like it at all. It felt sick. I was young, about eight years old, and I kept putting my hand on my throat. I remember telling my father that I didn't feel good and wanted to leave, but he told me to be quiet because he was talking business to this old man. My, my mother was wandering through the empty house with the old man's wife, as the wife told her about the house. My wife took her to one of the bedrooms, and that's when my mother saw the old wardrobe and froze. It was the same identical one in her dream. She took her hand and opened one of the drawers to see if there was any paper dolls in it. There were none. Needless to say, my mother was relieved, but while everyone was talking in the kitchen of the old house for a few hours later, the old woman left the room and came back with a brown paper sack full of old paper dolls from the 50s and 60s. She asked my mother if it would be okay if she gave them to me. They were the youngest daughter's paper dolls. Apparently, they had a younger daughter who passed away in the house of leukemia years ago. Her name was Rebecca Lynn. Rebecca Lynn is my name, even though we spell it differently. I found this very unnerving, even at eight years old. My father rented the old farmhouse from the old man while he made plans to build our house. We started coming in the evenings to paint and clean up the place for us to move in. Every single time I would step into that house, I would get this sick feeling. Every time. I felt run down and hard to breathe. But once I walked out the door, the feeling would vanish. Now that I'm older, I often wondered if that was how the other Rebecca Lynn felt before she died in the house. After we moved in the old house, my mother and my father always were trying to keep the house warm. But it was always very cold in there, even in the summer. Also... I and my younger brother were always sick, always. As time went on, the old farm couple would come over, and one evening my mother asked about the history of the house. The old man said five people died in the house, the last thing, the last being his own daughter. There was a sister that lived in the house who was electrocuted in a lightning storm, washing mason jars in the sink and other tragedies. He also told us his teenage daughter would never sleep alone in the house after her sister died and slept with her parents. The girl was 15 and she was very afraid. They never told us why, but then strange things started to happen. I have an older brother and younger brother. One day, my mother was changing her sheets on her bed. While she was putting on the sheets, she saw this little form under the sheets. She thought it was my little brother and went to give him a little swat and told him to get out from under the sheet so she could make the bed. But when she did, her hand went right through the mattress. There was nothing there. She swears up and down that there was no air and that it was a form. She said she saw the head and everything. It really spooked her. I would always hear scratching in a little closet that was close to my bedroom. It would make me so scared. I would cry. My father would come in and he told me it was just a mouse. He set a trap out and he'd never caught anything. It would happen almost every night until I moved out. My older brother had a room off from my bedroom. He played basketball for the high school he went to and he also drove the school bus. One night he came home late after a basketball game and came running out of his room and into my parents' room. 
It woke up the whole household. I and my younger brother were told to go to bed, and I didn't find this out until after I grew up. When he went into his bedroom, something jumped out of the wall, across his bed, and into another wall. It was a black form. My older sister never slept in that room again. My younger brother had horrible nightmares almost every night until we moved. Then he never had them again. That feeling of being sick never left me until I moved out of that house. We'd have relatives come and visit, but they never stayed long. One time, my aunt and uncle who lived in Georgia came over. They were sleeping in the living room. When, my, when one morning, my uncle woke up and was highly upset with my aunt. My aunt wanted to know what was wrong, and my uncle said she slapped him during the night. Sure enough, there was his handprint across his face. My aunt swears up and down she never touched him and was asleep. And also, once my grandparents came over and experienced some things too. My mother would never tell me what happened to my grandma, but my grandfather was a very religious man and he could tell something was very wrong with the house as soon as he walked in. He mentioned it countless times while visiting us in the house. My grandfather says he prayed over the house and one morning he looked out the window and saw an angel that was over 17 feet tall looking to and fro around the outside of the house, keeping watch over the house and looking for something. He told me the story until he passed away. I believe him. Again, there were many other things that happened in that house that I was never told about due to my age at the time. We only stayed in that house for about one and a half years until we moved out into our new house. One time, my cousins were visiting from California and we told them about the old house. They wanted to see it. So we walked across the street to the house and it was empty. Since we were kids, we dared each other to go up into the house and touch it. We did it, and in the room that had been my mother and father's, the curtains moved as if someone looked out of the window, but no one was in the house. The house again was vacant. I'll never forget that. Oh, and during that time, my mother and uh, the old farm wife became friends. My mother asked her out of curiosity if the old paper dolls were ever kept in the old wardrobe, and... The old farm wife did confirm indeed that's where they were stored for a long time. Recently, I Google mapped the old house to see if it was still there. I was surprised to see it was, and that someone was living there. It was sort of creepy, and it brought me back to that time when I was a kid. This is my story. I came across your show on YouTube, and I've enjoyed each and every episode and podcast. Thank you for your time, Rebecca. Okay, I just... I don't even know what to say about that house. That That's is, one of my favorite haunted house stories you've ever had. It is. That's great. Good. Yeah, that's a great story there from Rebecca. Thank you for uh, for writing that in. Um, I When you hear the stories of all the people that died in the house with freak things, I mean, the leukemia, I guess, not such a freak thing, but again, you know, but somebody being, um, you know, electrocuted, washing dishes and... Yeah. You know, just just the pattern of, of deaths or untimely deaths. I mean, certainly leukemia with a child is an untimely death. Sure. Um, it makes you wonder if, if something with that house is to be the source of those occurrences. You know? Yeah. You know, or I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Then you have to wonder what sort of power those things have. But... It's very odd. It's just every now and then you get one of those stories that just kind of leaves you speechless. And you just, there's like, 
nothing to add to it. Yeah. This is one of those. That's one of those. So thank you for writing in. The phone number is 855-853-4802. Let's do one more call before we wrap up the show for today. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, guys. I absolutely love your show. My name is Riley, by the way. Um, I haven't been listening very long. I only heard my first episode about a week ago, but I can't get enough. So please keep it up. Um, So I only have one story, but I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, So I guess this was a few years ago. Um, My family was on a road trip, which we did a lot um, back when I lived in Colorado. Um, We're always driving around the state. And my mother, who is kind of wacky, she has this affinity for uh, ghost houses or, like, abandoned towns or uh, graveyards. Every time we drive past any of those, she has to stop and jump the barbed wire fence and go check it out. Take the whole family and take out the metal detector because she's not really into paranormal, but she loves old stuff. And uh, so we're driving through Glenwood Springs, and she says, oh, I know this cemetery that we have to hike to. It's called the Pioneer Cemetery, and she wanted to go because it's where uh, Doc Holliday is buried. And if you don't know who he is, he was a dentist turned gambler and gunslinger. Um, and he was really close friends with Wyatt Earp and uh, was at the shootout at the OK Corral and, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool history there. Um, so she's like, we got to hike up to this cemetery and check out where Doc Holliday's buried. So we did. And uh, it's a pretty good hike and it's at high altitude. So it's like a good workout. And uh, there was only one other family that was going up at the same time we were. And we were sort of making conversation. And so we're up there. And there's me and my mom and dad and my little sister. And uh, we spent a good amount of time just checking out the graves and poking around. And then it was about time for us to leave. And my mom was leading. And it was my little sister, me, and my dad was behind me. And I was wearing a white coat. My my snowboarding jacket was um, like this sort of reflective white color. Um, and so... My dad's behind me, and I hear him yelling at me. You know, he says, he says, Riley, we're going this way. Where are you going? And I turn around, and he's, he's looking the opposite direction, like down into the scrub oak, yelling at someone down there. And he was yelling, he's like, what are you doing? Where are you going? We're going this way. It's time to go. And I, t- and I said, Dad, I'm right here. And he turns around, and his face just fell. And he's not the kind of guy to get into, like, ghosty stuff he's he's very practical guy so he turns around and takes off he's like gonna go find whoever it was because we knew that there was only a couple of people there and they were pretty much with us the whole time and so he goes off into the woods and we're all standing there waiting like i don't know what's up with that but um so he comes out of the brush and his face is just white and he wouldn't talk about it until we got back to the car and he was like He's like, I saw a person, he's like a solid human walking through the woods with your, with a white coat on. And he's like, and there was no one there. He's like, he said he walked far enough out into the woods and it was just essentially turned into a cliff and it then kind of dropped off. So he like freaked out and it was really great. We were all really excited, but he was freaked out because he's not that kind of a dude. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't know. My little sister thinks it was Doc Holliday and his dentist coat, but I don't know about all that. Um, but, yeah, if you ever get a chance to check it out, super creepy cemetery. Um, really, really old history up there. And uh, thanks for taking my call, and um, thanks for the podcast. It's fantastic, and I just can't get enough. So uh, thanks, guys. I think we should definitely check that out on our next trip out. <laughs> Yeah, because it's funny. Uh, our our children, I guess, will describe us that way someday. Our parents, they say, like to go to these places where there's ghosts and stuff. However, I, I think they're also going to be like, I like doing that too, and uh, uh, I think it's going to be passed down. I hope, anyway. Yeah, I think so. I don't want them to be like teenagers and look at us going, well, they're going to look at us crazy anyhow when they're, they're teenagers. But when they're adults, I want them to be like, oh, that's a fun stuff to do. We should do, We should do more of that. They will definitely have some unique memories of childhood. Oh, yeah. Very, very much so. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing this story. We do uh, greatly appreciate that, and uh, glad you found the podcast. Thank you uh, thank you for the kind words there. The phone number is 855-853-4802. If you want to share your real ghost story with us, of course, you can also write in on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And once again, if you're not an EPP yet, please become one. It's uh, those folks that are financially supporting the show at five bucks a month. They're getting a bonus episode every single week for doing that, but they're keeping it on the air, more importantly. And uh, without your support, folks doing that, we could not keep doing the show. So please uh, do your part if you would. Become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com if you enjoy the show and keep it a-going. All right? So until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.